We are not Hazard FC. We are not Kante FC. We are not even William FC. For we're fucking Boss Barkley FC, ain't we, mate? down the Chelsea podcast with me, your host, Jan. How are you all doing, guys? What a great weekend of football. Absolute box office. Um, in terms of results and fixtures, some great games. Um, but it is worth mentioning. Uh, in other realms of the game, there has been some sadness. Of course, the uh, sad tragedy that was the helicopter crash from the Leicester owner. Um, terribly somber and depressing scenes up in Leicester Uh, my heart goes out to them Um, yeah I mean at first it was really sort of difficult to digest not as a Leicester fan not knowing much about him but you know upon reflection of uh, how much he's done for their club and uh, the kind of respect he got from all the fans and the club we know as having an owner that we we adore in Roman Abramovich that's invested a lot in the club, how um how much affection there can be, but I think more so than Abramovich, he he was more integrated with the fans, so incredibly sad there. And of course the um the worrying news about Glenn Hoddle, which would resonate with a lot of Chelsea fans, um, having a heart attack. It does actually look like uh he's on the mend, hopefully, fingers crossed, but uh yeah, just wanted to sort of open the podcast by paying my respects to the more sin- uh, the sincerities of the game in that sense. But there's a lot of positives to talk about, so let's get into the pod, guys. Right, Okay, so um, what are we going to be doing today? I'm going to be looking back on the uh, the victory away at Burnley, Turf Moor. Great result for a uh, multitude of reasons. We'll be talking about that. Um, looking ahead to the homecoming of Super Frankie Lampard. And also the next fixture of... Uh, we've got a London derby. We've got Crystal Palace. And... Um, oh, it looks like we're at home. Absolutely lovely. So, although not an easy game always and some poor recent history of them, we'll see what happens. But um, also talk about a few player performances in the mix and i got a little, um, a small handful of questions to answer at the end. So, a lovely pod uh, to come. Let's, let's get into it. So, away at Turf Moor, the stubborn gates of Turf Moor, the windy cauldron up on the hill. Very, uh, or certainly historically, or certainly recent history would dictate a difficult place to go and play football. Um, you know, a bunch of um, big lads to sort of uh, defend as a unit and like to kick more cultured players. <laughs> Maybe that's a bit unfair. You know, they've been excellent last season. Forms dipped a little bit. Um, I think they went to the Etihad and the City turned them over. And um, they haven't been the same for a while, but as a 4-0 win to the Chelsea, the biggest sort of notable uh, thing would be not starting Hazard when there was a sort of concern of late that, <coughs> you know, everything goes through Hazard. I did the sort of little joke teaser about Hazard FC. <laughs> 
But no, he didn't travel. He wasn't there, and um, and we won four nil comfortably. Could have been more. And uh, that's um, that's you know, you could argue the opposition isn't the greatest, but like I said, Turf Moor can be a difficult place to go. Uh, great teams have struggled there, and uh, we had a really good result. And like I said, the scoreline could have been more, so it's a very pleasing result. So let's go through that lineup. It was um, Ariza Balaga in goal, as per um, keeping up some really impressive form. I didn't want to talk about uh, Kepa in the running order, but <laughs> which is kind of testament to how he just flies under the radar in every sense and aspect of his game and arrival, because he's been excellent, man. There was like an offside goal in this game that he made like a super reflex save. I don't want to act surprised because he's the world's most expensive goalkeeper, but we all know, uh, football knows, he's the you know, he's not by, um, he's not the most expensive keeper because he should be, <laughs> you know, it was the situation dictated that we pay X amount and activate his release clause, but he's been surprisingly excellent, um, his distribution's fantastic, and for like a young guy settling in, he's looking uh, supremely good, and for, you know, signed him to a seven-year contract, that could look like an excellent acquisition for the Chelsea, so very pleased about that, um, definitely <coughs> top four keepers in the league, which is uh, what you kind of expect, but, you know, certainly up there with uh, Alison, Edison and De Gea, and uh, younger than all of them, and um, looking very good indeed. So, he was in the sticks, yeah, back for um, continuity of um, left-back Marcus Alonso, quite a good game, got an assist. Centre-back pairing of Rudy and Louise. Rudy has been probably our best centre-back this season, but Louise had a good game. Um, no people are criticising him in, like, you know, pundits or in the media, as usual, saying he's doing anything too crazy in terms of a rush of blood or gallivanting upfield or making a silly challenge. He's been playing well. And as Plaqueta, right back, who's been, you know, he's been pretty good. He's sort of, um, like we discussed all season and pre-season, stylistically and systematically, he suits Sari Ball the way it tucks in and plays. But whether we could be getting more out of that um, that position, I don't know, because obviously the chemistry to the long shot to Morata's head is broken down, and that's probably systematic. It's more of a Conte thing, probably, that connection. So, yeah, uh, that's the back four. We had the midfield three of our ever-present Jorginho, certainly in the Premier League. Uh, Kante, as well, who's looking better and better discreetly, despite all the criticism he's come under for his uh, new role. And Ross Barkley chosen instead of Kovacic. Now, whether that's due to rotation or other competitions, I don't know, but it um, speaks volumes that he's been using the Premier League like this. And he is repaying, sorry, I tell you that much, the £15 million acquisition from Everton. Um, looking very good indeed. Had all his uh, Evertonian tattoos removed. He's, um, he's really embracing... London life uh, in becoming a true Chelsea lad, which is lovely to see. Front three, um, as I previously stated, uh, Hazard absent, so we had uh, Willian playing on his preferred left-hand forward side, so he can cut in onto his right foot, and um, starting Morata up front, which no one expected much out of, and Pedro on the right. Now, the game started with a lot of... Um, Burnley pressure, aggressive aggression, excuse me, and even dominance, I'd say. A little bit worrying, 
But, you know, you don't... It, this happens sometimes to Chelsea. People try and jump on us quickly and see if they can rattle us. But, you know, they didn't score. We sort of sat through the early 10 minutes of pressure. And, uh, you know, 80 minutes of absolute dominance unfolded in, uh, in Chelsea's favour. We had possession, we had a lot of passes, and we had some extremely impressive combinations. And, dare I say it, a wonderful demonstration of sorry ball. A sorry ball of salt. First goal, Morata. Um, let's put a pin in this situation here when I'm talking about how the game unfolded. Because I do want to talk about Ross Barkley in more detail. But Alvaro Morata certainly gets a mention here because in terms of his all-round centre-forward play in this game, he was excellent. He was the sort of um, type of stealth cloak and dagger striker we thought we thought that we purchased more so than, you know, Diego Costa in terms of star. We thought this is the kind of player he is, running the channels, you know, pulling space, appearing behind them, getting behind the uh, defender. And he did a lot of that this game. He only got one goal. It was very well taken, but he could have had a hat form. Certainly a hat trick. And um, even if he wasn't scoring goals, he was he was playing the role wonderfully. And he deserves recognition for his performance against Burnley. Because one thing about Burnley, they can have a very good defence. Um, and very canny defence. And for, you know, this sort of divey Spanish <laughs> striker that we see way too much. He did get kicked about as well, but he didn't lose his head. He got he got booked for being fouled. It looked like I still don't know. He might have said something, but it didn't look like it. Anyway, he played very very well. Um, a commendable performance, and hopefully he keeps that up. His form is actually okay. He's got like three goals in four games. Um, off you know he rarely plays ninety because he gets circulated with Giroud. So you know, well done, Alvaro Morata, and hopefully the fact how. This system, this 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 style with Sari, it's it's a bit of everyone with passing. Maybe that takes the pressure off him, and he, you know, his mental fragility isn't so exposed ultimately as the season goes on because it's distributed. Everything in this team and game is distributed. So well done, Alvaro Morata, and um, yeah, Ross Barkley assisting his goal uh, through ball straight down the middle. He picks it up and dinks it lovely. Um, Ross Barkley getting. Um, two assists in this game as well as his goal um yeah so it was a very uh, dominating performance in terms of possession and combinations and passes like i said um burnley did sit back a little bit which was to their detriment um and i think the uh, the second goal was was barkley uh barkley or william excuse me but yeah barkley's goal was absolutely fantastic he he was running. He was running towards goal. He was maybe 25, 30 yards out. He saw Hart's um, attention sort of elsewhere, or weight shifted elsewhere, and he just absolutely did a long, low shot and drilled it in the bottom right corner. Um, it was a lovely goal, you know, and that's uh, that's what Chelsea have been crawling out for. This sort of centre mid who's going to sort of take responsibility every now and again and take these long shots and not put it in the stands. And yeah, you know, and he, and he got his goal. Um, he later on, I think he assisted Willian as well, because Willian, I believe, was the third goal. Um, an absolute uh, glory goal as well. Um, a, a sort of long, curving shot to take it around uh, Hart. And, and um, it's probably time to mention Willian as well in terms of performances, because he had an excellent performance. Um, he always seems to do better when he's on that sort of uh, left-hand side, when he can cut in and be a bit more technical and more of like an inverted winger. Um, he also hit the post. 
I think he had a couple of close shots. Um, very good in terms of carrying the ball. It was one of those good Willian games that you know people see him on the ball and they think he's great. But unless you're a Chelsea fan, you you don't know the frustrations of Willian. Um, you know, United say this fans say the same thing about Martial, but Martial scores far, far, far more frequently than Willian. But you know, Willian does have a sort of cultured maturity to him. And he had a great performance there. They think they highlighted him on match of the day, which sort of, um, you know, I was a little bit disappointed they didn't talk more about Ross. Um, but anyway, it was good. It was good. He, he was excellent. Um, and uh, Ross Barkley assisted that goal too. So let's, uh, let's talk about Ross Barkley quickly. He was superb. Uh, <laughs> Ross Perlo. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't want to say he like, dominated the midfield, but he's, he just... Um, Unlike Ruben, this isn't a dig at Ruben. They're very similar players in a lot of ways, but Ross Barkley moves the ball a lot quicker. Now, I think this is due to where he is in his life and his career. Now, bear with me, because Ruben had a lot going on. He was on loan at Palace, was at a different club, different manager. They were trying to like sort their season out. He went to the World Cup. He's thinking about his career. Lots of stuff going on in Ruben's life and in his head. Whereas for Barkley... He knew Chelsea bought him. He wasn't playing football. He was recovering from his injury. He wanted to bring his career back, and he was focused. He studied Sarri's Napoli side. He, you know, he went up to the gaffer when he was appointed. Look, I'm here for you. I'm your man. I'm good. Look what I can do. I'm, I'm all in. Sarri appreciated that. Um, and like I said, Ross has been truly investing himself into the club and the culture. He's, you know, he's got all his. Everton tattoos removed. He wants a fresh start in every sense of the word. He's um, just knuckling down so hard and playing so well. And, you know, he looks like he's loving life. He's just so pleased to be playing with um, uh, high-caliber players. It's no dig at Everton, but he's really appreciating what's around him here. He's he's walking home from Stamford Bridge in his full training tracksuit. He's just literally like, he's breathing in London, you know. People are stopping saying, getting pictures of him, saying he's really sound, a nice guy. He's just taking it all in, which is lovely to see, you know. An English mid, early mid-20s, at a big club, having a renaissance in his career and performing, uh, you know, bless him, he speaks like a proper scouser, but he's got like the cultured touch of like a, a vintage Italian football player, <laughs> you know. So he's doing really, really well. I'm really pleased for him. Um, free games... Um, he's got three goals and three assists, and they're not even that's not even three starts. So his uh, contribution to goals to minutes ratio must be absolutely excellent. Tipping my cap to Ross Barkley. Long may it continue. Um, and you know that's good for all England fans, um, because it's just great to see an English midfield. You know, if we, this is, I'm, the, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but on paper, from what, how he's performing now, it's what you know, Gareth Southgate's footballing side is calling out for. Um, obviously had a great performance against Spain in between all those results as well. Placing that long sort of cultured ball to Harry Kane. Anyway, enough of Boss Barkley. The fourth and final goal came late in the game by Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Now, Ruben came on quite early for Pedro, which was interesting because Sarri didn't bring any more forwards, um, other than you know, wingers, wide forwards, um, to, to to come and to play in the game. He probably expected Willian and Pedro to pay 90, I imagine, unless he wanted to go defensive towards the end, which is not really Sari style. Uh, and he plays Ruben. I guess it was, would, would be right wing, right forward, but he probably tucked in. I imagine there was a sort of positional compensation somewhere. 
that Sari did, that, that would be beyond me. Excuse me, but he came on. He looked alright, a little bit out of sorts. I think he would have rather been playing in um, Ross's position. His performance would have been better. But, you know, he fitted in, he, he did okay, and he got his goal at the end, and he looked really happy about it. So that was really just the sort of the the cherry on the icing on the cake. Um, and again, for England fans, he, he, scored, a, he scored a hat-trick. Um, in the uh, in the Europa League against Bartosz Borisov, he is absolutely looking superb. Um, obviously, in Europa, it wasn't the highest caliber of uh, opposition, but it's the first Chelsea player to score a hat trick in a European competition since Didier Drogba in two thousand and six. So, you know, to take it <laughs> do with that what you will. But yeah. An excellent performance. Um, there's so much to talk about on this, and I think I've uh, I've spoken for quite a while. But um, I'm just so pleased that it's all coming together and and we performed so well without you know our main man Eden Hazard. Um, yeah, so absolutely superb. Before I do go on to the match previews, I do want to have a little talk about Real Madrid. No, I have done a little bit of tongue-in-cheek tweeting about, you know, this weekend Chelsea have scored four goals away at Turf Moor while Thibaut Courtois conceded five in the Classic. <laughs> Obviously, that's a little bit that's a little bit of um, poor taste and humour and this, that and the other, but he was unpleasant in terms of uh, how he dealt with his Chelsea exit. I won't go into it any further. And it looks like, you know, it's not all it's not all roses, the grass isn't greener on the other side. While we're doing incredibly well over in England, he's struggling over in Real Madrid. But, you know, hopefully being with his family, like he said, is the important thing. Hopefully that, that is keeping him happy and the football comes second. But with that second coming football comes the second coming of Antonio Conte. Oh, off the dome piece. Yeah, it looks like Lopetegui will be sacked. And it looks highly likely that Antonio Conte will be appointed, which would be a smart appointment for Real Madrid for a few reasons, but that still means Thibaut Courtois is going to have to endure some more suffer ball. And also, and perhaps more importantly, let's go full circle, Eden Hazard is, not well, never say never, but he is unlikely to sign a contract at a Real Madrid that's doing poorly in a transitional period and also have just appointed the manager that he did not have a nice time with towards the end of his tenure and Antonio Conte and he'll be looking at Chelsea playing so well without him and he'll be like oh the pressure isn't completely on me maybe I'll sign a new contract but either way if he doesn't we're still a great team evidently and if he does you know he's the form player in the Premier League arguably uh, was the, the world in, in the passing weeks you know, there's no ceiling cap to Eden Hazard, so hopefully he does sign a contract. Anyway, the first section has been cram-packed full of content. Um, I'm pleased I got through all that, and a lot of good stuff, and a lot of positives and funnies, and this, that, and the other. So let's look ahead to the upcoming two games. Super Frankie Lampard. Homecoming of our top scorer and most beloved English midfielder. Frank Lampard. What a player. What a manager looks like. And what a man. The way he holds himself, the way he um, talks to footballers, to pundits, to the media. Very measured, charming, and intelligent man.
<laughs> yeah, what a great, what a great man, what a great player. So he's coming back to Stamford Bridge. I would have loved to have got a ticket to this game, but I'm just gonna watch it at home with some beers. I'm so like excited to see what kind of reception he gets. Obviously, it's gonna be a superb one. I imagine there will be a full house at Stamford Bridge of Chelsea and Derby fans are like chanting Super Frank's name. Um, obviously, it looks like he's started his managerial career quite well. Uh, players are responding to him well. He's implementing his style well. And uh, more notably for Chelsea, he's got a couple of our youngsters there in Mason Mount Fakaru Tamori. Excuse my pronunciation there. Tamori, great, a great defender. And Mason Mount, arguably one of the players of the uh, of the division at the moment. Interesting talking point of where Chelsea FC would allow them to play. Because apparently in this situation, it's up to the parent club to decide um, whether they grant permission for those players to play. Now, I actually went on a Love Sport Radio again to talk about this. Well, not to talk about this, but um, Jonathan Kidd asked me about it. And, um, yeah, I explained how I was sort of uh, not on the fence, but I would have been happy and I would have understood either outcome in that situation, how, you know, Chelsea are in a transitional period and had a delicate sort of previous year and, with you know, there's a lot of change at the club for loads of reasons and our new managers never won a trophy. So you can imagine us doing everything we can to try and give ourselves every chance in every competition and you know it wouldn't be to a massive detriment to Derby because they're playing very well they've had some good performances and our Chelsea lads there have had some superb development under Lampard so you know it would have been like yep I'm pleased you're doing so well lads but you know you gotta sit this one out because we want to do well and ultimately if you come back to this club you want to be coming back to this club that does well this that and the other but also it would have been nice to to grant them permission to be like oh this is a big high caliber game you know why don't you play in See how you can do, you know, you did so well against United, see if you can do it against against us as well, and you know, you won't you'll be appreciated by Chelsea fans for a good performance. Hopefully, even even if it's at our detriment. Um, apparently that's what we're doing. So, you know, it'll be nice just to see them play. Um everyone will get a good reception and hopefully it'll be a good contest. Um you know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a game jam packed full of narrative. Um it's one of those games that you walk away that if 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 they knock us out, like you'll be like, you know, it won't it will it would be easier to swallow. You couldn't be sort of angry, maybe, because you want to see Frank do well. I mean, it was lovely watching them knock out Manchester United at Old Trafford, but um, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about it. It it's I'd I'd love to see them to see them do well but obviously because if we if we were like title favorites are going to go deep in the champions league you look at this sort of cup and be like meh if they beat us good on frank go on frank but yeah maybe this is like one of the only titles we can win this season who knows so um it's just an interesting one like i said jam-packed full of narrative and i think even the neutrals will really really enjoy this game and i imagine i'll have a lot of people watching all right so um i'm gonna do a score prediction I do think we'll probably win. Um, it's just really dependent on the lineup, isn't it? Because I don't, Eden Hazard won't be starting again, so you'd imagine there'd be heavy rotation. And we've Pedro's injured. 
So who's gonna play? Is it is Hudson Adoy gonna play and Willian gonna play? Shit. <laughs> this is one of those organic podcasts when I think out loud and I take you on the journey with me. I reckon two one Chelsea. I think they will score and I think we won't be doing so much ex- exhibitionist football because probably Kovacic will come back in, which will be co- um, controlling the midfield, but obviously less of a goal threat. Um, maybe Ruben starts. Uh, I know he got his hat trick before, but Derby's probably a little bit of a different proposition. So I reckon 2-1 win to Chelsea, but I'll be really... I don't think I'd be surprised in whatever happened. You know, I'll be surprised at a 4-0 Derby. But, you know... There's a lot of scores that I probably wouldn't be surprised at. So it's going to be a great game. And I think it's less about the score in this game and more about our boy Frank coming home. And I think every Chelsea fan would uh, would agree with that because it's you know such a jam-packed narrative game. And then we got, um, we've got Chelsea versus Crystal Palace at the bridge. Crystal Palace drew with Arsenal yesterday. Yep, absolutely yesterday. And it was a 2-2-all. They got their goals via penalties. Milivojevic dispatching them well. Um, good on him for after missing one. So he stepped up and not only scored one after missing, but took the responsibility of another one that would uh, seal them a point. Um, yeah, they're a good side. Zaha's very, very good. Um, they've obviously beaten us before. Roy's beaten us before <laughs> with his palace. Um, it's a London, London derby. Never say never, but... I expect us to beat Crystal Palace. Um, again, with this like heavy, heavy um, congested fixture list and potential injuries to Eden Hazard and looking like Pedro and strikers that are sort of hot and cold. I don't think it'll be high scoring. I think it'll be a 2-0 or a 2-1 to Chelsea. You know, we might draw, but I think if I have to put a prediction, I'd say us to score two and them to score none or one. I know that's a w- unconventional way of doing score predictions, but I'm backing us to continue our unbeaten record in the Premier League. Um, and just sit and be really keen to see what kind of a uh, what kind of lineups we're putting out there. So anyway, like a, as per usual, not too much of a detailed um, preview to matches, but. That's the Anacon Chelsea way. So let's move on. Um, let's move on now to social media questions. Welcome back to the final part of the podcast, the social media questions. You know what? I haven't been recording for too long, but I feel like I've got a lot of good, solid content in um, and a lot of positive content. But I imagine I'll be talking for us uh, a little while on this section. I just tweeted out this morning. Um, I haven't got internet in my studio for the moment, so I've opened it up on my uh, MacBook, and if people have left some questions uh, post me being connected, or sorry, post me being disconnected, apologies. So, um, starting off, I got a couple from the uh, Man City Fan TV boys in Andy and Ray. Um, <laughs> bas- okay, basically asking... Are Chelsea title contenders? Uh, Ray going on saying without Hazard as well. Um, I don't know if that's in response to us having a 4-0 win without Hazard, but um, certainly if Chelsea had to do anything this season in in regards to the title, I think you know Hazard would be a would be a big part of that. But in short, I don't think we're title contenders, chaps. Um, I think we're well ahead of the game in terms of where we are um, and how we're performing. 
with Sari in the context of everything, you know, um, we all know how hard it. Well, you guys know more than more than uh, most about how hard it is for a new a new manager to come in to um to <coughs> to a new country to a new club. Uh, Pep and Sari play very similar football, um, as they've both stated about each other quite often. Uh, Pep had a year of difficulty. You know, he didn't he didn't win anything and came fourth. You know, that could well happen to Sari. And um, and be considered like an achieved target, really, getting back into the Champions League and actually trying to change the brand of football. And you know, if you look at the way City prepared for Guardiola's um, appointment, they were far greater, well, far more prepared than we were. I think they were trying to implement the uh, uh, appointment of players and stuff before, so he was more settled when he arrived. Whereas <laughs> sorry, wasn't even there for preseason. Um, no, City are too good. Um, I think, personally, irresistible again. Um, so, you know. I mean, there might be a bit more of a race with Liverpool. We might even be in and around a little bit. But in terms of um, just the sort of... The, the squad and its ability to play throughout a season now, as you know, as they've done as champions and as they've just got the quality to rotate, which obviously we don't have, um, it would be difficult to say we're contenders, but you know, never say never. I'd be over the moon if we um, if we were up there and won the title. Um, you know, after Conte coming in and winning his first season, if Sari did as well, that would be a really positive reflection on the the club as a whole, and how they, well, how they're running it, in terms of appointments, uh, spend, and success. So, I'll give you the answer you want, Andy. No. <laughs> I don't think, anyway. But maybe, either way, I think we'll both be enjoying, hopefully, a, con a contest to a degree. Because I think even City fans, they don't want to walk away with the league. They probably want a bit of a bit of a rug, surely, right? Anyway, we'll see what happens with that. Magician at Magician Kepper asks me, who, who should we be starting in the midfield three? What a question. Well... Obviously, it's dependent. I think there will be a, uh, a case of rotation because you're looking at, you know, in terms of quality and uh, talent, the midfield three of uh, Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic was undeniable, but there's just no goals there at all. Um, everyone knows how good Kante is and he's been recognised, you know, well, by winning World Cups, league titles, other titles, individual awards, PFAs, you know, he's recognised internationally for how good he is. Uh, certainly, as a defensive mid, Kovacic has obviously been really highly rated for a long time, and Jorginho is the heartbeat of Cerismo. But there's no goals, so now we're looking at people like Sesc is a sort of debutant for Jorginho, and I don't think there's any sort of concern there. I think, you know, when Jorginho can't play, Sesk's going to play. Um, and there isn't much of a debate there, and I think Sesk's probably accepted that and is part of his career and just happy to be involved. Um, and, that, you know, that makes him important. But really, it's just looking at Barkley and Ruben and thinking, right, so who, who's going are we going to play these boys and get some goals in our games? Um, <laughs> passing moment for Danny Drinkwater. Um, yeah, so in terms of who we should be starting, I think it's uh, we should be pleased we've got the depth now and it should kind of be dependent on the opposition. If we need to hold the ball and dominate more and try and keep possession, I'm sure he'll be looking to do more of the sort of talented 
ball carriers, but if he's like, look, we need some like English muscle and gorse, excuse me, goal scoring ability, we'll probably be looking to Ruben and Barkley. So the starting three mid, you'd be thinking at the moment, Premier League games, the third slot goes to Ross Barkley because of his uh, offensive ability over Kovacic. But Kovacic will get, excuse me, loads of loads of um, time to play due to the rotation of um, the team in different competitions. Okay, um, which leads me on to nicely the next question by Franklin. With the form of Barkley and Loftus-Cheek, do you think Chelsea would attempt to keep Kovacic on a permanent? I think it would be silly not to try and keep Kovacic on a permanent appointment. I don't think there's any obligation or sort of even option to buy. But would be silly not to. He's so talented, he's at a good age, and he's just highly rated in world football. I get what you're saying, but I think due to the sort of uh, the rise of um, the, the 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 form of Barkley and Rubes, that it, we we wouldn't go in from so hard. Maybe if they tried to negotiate hardball at the end of the season for us to buy him, we could be like, you know what? Don't worry about it, mate. He can cut. He helped us. He can go home. But you know, they might want to. He might want to just play for Chelsea and push. But I think them playing so well just takes the pressure off a little bit. So we should try and keep him, but it's not the end of the world if we don't, I think. Um, also, there's a interlinking narratives of Eden Hazard, this, that, and the other. We'll have to see. Um, you know, if, if Hazard says, you know, thank you, Chelsea, I'm, I'm going now, then we might have to be like, well, absolutely, you're giving us Kovacic and X amount of money. We'll see. We'll see with that. Um, okay, so Walid, or Walid asks me, will Hazard go to Real Madrid in January? Probably the easiest question um, I've had. No, um, he said no. Um, you know, a couple of occasions to the media is sort of a, a, a sort of a quite a, a coherent no. <laughs> but maybe you're asking the question because Real Madrid are in such a difficult period um, after getting smashed up by Barca and looking like they're in really poor form. They might have to go all in in January to get something to salvage their season. That might be Eden Hazard. They could go up to him and be like, look, we know you want to go here. We know you said you don't want to go in Jan, but it's now or never, mate. We're going to give you this much money. We're going to give Chelsea this much money. Make a decision. In that instance, um, he might go, but I think that it's just so incredibly unlikely for him to go in January. I still... It's a near a coin toss for next summer, depending on the state of Real Madrid and who's currently managing them. But I really don't think there's a chance in January, man, at all. All right, let's see what else we got. Um, oh, fire. Let's start this one. Hey, Kepa. Kepa49. Um, he's been talking about right-backs, um, uh, saying, uh, is it, why isn't anyone looking at Denzel Dumfries Washington at PSV? He's brilliant. Um, I'm afraid, mate. I'm not sure who he is, but let's talk about the right-back position. I did touch on it briefly at the beginning of the pod. How on paper and systematically Azpilicueta does suit Sari Ball in terms of the tucking in and the lopsided offensive attacking shape. But, you know, he hasn't been brilliant. Even Alonso's been a bit more quiet in terms of um, <laughs> goal scoring. It's, he's, he's talking about him like he's a striker. He's basically, his hot streak has calmed down a little bit. But he has been playing well. Uh, looking a bit slow in terms of recovery. But, like I said, the system's meant to appease even Marcus Alonso's... Um, frailties in the game so I don't know I think unless you think of 
second, you know, backup. But if Zappa Coppers, because that's a bit of a tongue tongue twister. Zappa Costa is happy to um to sort of stay as backup. Then I don't think there's really any problem. There was talk of him maybe wanting to leave, but he's not gonna you know miss uh, take uh, as Pierre of the team and because of his stature and, and ability. So I don't know. Moses is, clearly isn't going to play right back, and he might be well on the way out. But we'll have to see. So I don't think it's really a problem position. I think we need long-term investment um, for right wing. Uh, we've got Hudson Odoi for left wing, and maybe a striker, depending on what happens. I mean, two strikers isn't many, especially when one, you know, neither of them are mega prolific. I think right back's okay, bud. So yeah. That, that'll do for questions. Um, I'm going to wrap it up, I think. What a wonderful episode of the Anacon Chelsea podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We talked Barkley, we talked Morata, we talked Real Madrid, we talked Hazard, we talked Kovacic. We talked a load of stuff and things and Frankie Lampard. And I enjoyed it once again. Um, brilliant. So yeah, I'm having loads of fun as per usual. Um... I noticed there was a little dip in listeners last uh, last week, which is a which interested me. Maybe because we didn't win against United, but I thought there was a, a lot of talking points. So you know, maybe um maybe it was just a random sort of dip. Who knows? But either either way, may I'd like to take this opportunity to to sort of um reach out and ask for you guys to sort of uh, share the podcast, help me get more um more listeners and exposure and um. Yeah, I really want to really want to grow this sort of platform with me talking about Chelsea. I do appreciate you returning listeners every week and your interactions on Twitter. It's great at Chelsea Yannick. If you want to help a brother out, subscribe to my pod on whatever app you're listening to. Ideally, subscribe on iTunes and give me a five star review because, as you hear on all podcasts that you listen to, that helps. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, up the chels, keep the blue flag flying high, carefree, wherever you may be, and I'll see you later.